she talked about EAT. So expertise, authority, trust is part of something to be aware of that Google is really looking at when it comes to influencing Google's and Google search results when it comes to websites. And I just loved, loved hearing everything that she had to say and how you can really tie in together how public relations can influence the expertise, authority, and trust components of content on a website. And it, it just underlines why PR and SEO really go hand in hand. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today, I welcome Cassie Myler. She owns the agency Goat Social, and together we are going to break down our best takeaways from PubCon. We both attended the digital marketing conference this month in real life. It was actually the first in-person event since the pandemic. Taking place in Miami, it was met with some emotion, I'll be honest, hesitation, a little bit of awkwardness, and also embracing at a time when seeing people in real life seems so distant and foreign, but yet long overdue. It was an intimate yet socially distant experience that I'm so happy I attended. So topics included at the conference, search engine optimization, digital marketing, social media, paid search, and also paid social. Kathy and I have known each other for more than three years and worked together most of that time. We originally met at the University of Florida when I was her professor at one of the master's programs at the College of Journalism. We'll get into some of that during the interview. In this interview, we review some of the key tips on the new normal of marketing during a pandemic and how brands and consumers must adopt. What does this mean for marketing and PR? We share all of our favorite social PR secrets and more. One fun thing I started doing was some behind the scenes on Instagram Live of Social PR Secrets. Cassie and I experimented with this last week, so you can head on over to Instagram at Lisa Beyer and check out the recorded version of our Instagram Live, and then you can be notified in the future when I go live on Instagram with Social PR Secrets guests and more. In the meantime, let's welcome Cassie. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. I am happy to have my guest, Cassie Myler, here. Hey, Cassie. Hi, happy to be here. Yay. So today's episode, we're going to talk about PubCon Florida last week that we both attended. And for those who don't know, PubCon is a digital marketing conference that has been going on for about maybe 15 plus years. And I've attended and been a speaker for at least the past 12 or 13 years. So it was like coming home for me to go to PubCon and especially coming home and having PubCon in Florida. And Cassie, I think it was your first PubCon, right? Yeah, my first one ever. Yeah, so with the pandemic and everything, it was also my first um, in-person conference and I think yours too, right? Yes, really. Yeah, yeah, right. It was my first in-person event too. So it was nice to see everybody and it was kind of special because of that reason. And also it was a little bit more intimate and everybody was, I think was just like really happy to be in person and be learning and be kind of just out there. Right. Definitely. And like the first day was smaller, but then even the other ones, it wasn't, you know, too jam packed, but everyone was just happy to be there and it was a good size. Yeah. So I feel like the speakers got a lot out of it. It was kind of like 
breaking the ice that first event after you haven't really been in front of a real audience in more than a year. And then for the audience, it was, you're able to really interact and ask questions. And it wasn't like a couple hour thing. It was a two day, three day event. So we were able to hang out, socialize, go to dinner and all that fun stuff. So I wanted to kind of talk about the highlights, but Cassie, before we get into that, let's just talk about your background and your your journey to where you've come today. And I'll just start it with like how we met. So Cassie was my student at University of Florida, the master's program where I was teaching social media management. And that's how we met. And I think I have to say that Cassie was definitely one of my best students that I've ever had. So I was very impressed that we ended up working together. So Cassie, tell us in more detail your little bit about your background and Goat Social and where you are today. Yeah, so I have always been you know, so intrigued with social media and digital marketing. Even in high school, I had the webmaster position for the drama club and that's when social media was just starting. And I was kind of creating that, that whole vibe. I made a WordPress website, like, and this was just in 10th grade. So I knew I wanted to do something with it, but I wasn't sure where I wanted to go in the communications route. In undergrad, I minored in communications. And then after I graduated, I was freelance social media managing for um, family businesses and small businesses in the area where it grew to a point where I had to make my own business and make an LLC just for tax purposes. And I ended up loving it so much, but realizing, you know, there's so much more I could learn, so much more I could do. And that's when I decided to go to UF. They have a social media focus for their mass communications program. And that's where I met Lisa. And what was unique is that I already had my business. So everything I was learning, I was able to apply directly to clients or apply directly to work I was doing. And I even had, you know, some professors, I was able to show them my work or able to show them what I'm working on and get direct feedback. And that's how I got to work with Lisa. And we actually even worked together before I finished graduating. So I really had that hands-on learning experience and, you know, it was a great program and I took so much out of it. Yeah. And I think that's a good point for anybody listening that if you're a student or you're going back to school or thinking about changing careers, it makes such a difference to just be working in that space so that you can apply your knowledge to what what you're actually working. I think that's why you did so well, because you had your own business during the course and that you were applying it either to your business or to your clients, like real clients, which was very valuable for them and for you. Definitely. And then having the classes online, at least I was able to work my school schedule around it and then still, you know, be able to dedicate time. And we had a lot of Zooms and we had a lot of, you know, virtual interactions even before the pandemic. So I think I was very used to that switch of going into, you know, work from home pandemic Zoom mode. Yes. So definitely look into the University of Florida College of Journalism. They have their master's program where you can choose different verticals. Digital marketing is the one I think that you picked. Social media is another. I I don't know all of them, but public relations, there's um, a nonprofit one now there's a bunch. Right. So, and I think they also have a certification version and then an actual degree version. So definitely look into it. If you're listening to this and you want to really advance your, your education and do real world types of uh, projects while continuing your education and fine tuning, I would highly recommend it. We're not being biased or anything just because like I taught there and you went and I, and I graduated from us. So go Gators, but on to PubCon. So PubCon is an example of something that I 
always taught all my students and my team, I highly encourage, emphasize, cannot say it enough that you always have to be continuing your education, especially in digital marketing. It's it's the, the Google algorithm changes like eight times a day or something like that. So every Monday, it's like a new search engine. And we just can't ever just like think what worked a year ago is going to work today. So I was so happy, Cassie, that you went to PubCon. Even me speaking at PubCon, I have to, I'm learning as I'm putting together my presentations and I go to all the sessions I can to learn from the other speakers. So let's just jump into some of the highlights. So I know what I can say one of my favorite sessions, if you want to, I can go first and tell you like my biggest kind of takeaway from 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 PubCon was Lily. So she was one of the keynotes. So her name is Lily Ray and she works for a company. I'm trying to look up. It's called AMSIVE. I can't pronounce it. A-M-S-I-V-E. Um, it's a digital agency. So she did a keynote and she talked about EAT. So expertise, authority, trust is part of something to be aware of that Google is really looking at when it comes to influencing Google's and Google search results when it comes to websites. And I just loved, loved hearing everything that she had to say and how you can really tie in together how public relations can influence the expertise, authority, and trust components of content on a website. And it, it just underlines why PR and SEO really go hand in hand. So I felt like Lily's points and we'll put in some of the, I can give an exact example of like one easy thing to do that website owners can do, or you can look at your website and see if you have it. And that would be for your blog on your website, the author should have its own author's page and have the credentials to really be writing about that topic. So for example, we see it all the time, Cassie, I'm sure you do too, blog articles that say the author is, let's say, admin, or let's say the blog author is, you know, just Sue. Like there's no link to who Sue is. We don't know if Sue even exists. There's not a last name. So really what Google's looking for when it comes to websites is they want to know that the, the authors of the content, that they're authoritative experts in that topic. And if they are great, that's going to help you get more exposure from Google. But if they're not, Google is going to second guess the authority, the expertise, and whether or not this is an expert or not. Like, should this be something that's credible without all the fake news that's happening? And, you know, if they can't see that it is credible and that it is expert and it is authoritative, then that is going to actually work against you and your website search results with Google. That sounds awesome. I wish I actually attended that one. Yes. And I know from the projects we've worked on together, Cassie, that this has come up with the EAT and expertise, authoritativeness and and trustworthiness. And it's a battle because it's it's asking webmasters to maybe change themes or change programs or add pages. And it's, you know, you have to kind of make that case, right? Definitely. And it's extra work, you know, when you have to add the bio, the link, the headshot, but it makes a big difference. What was a session that really stands out to you in a topic and what did you learn? Yeah. So one of my favorites was actually from day one. So that was the workshop sessions. And we spent like three hours in the neuroscience marketing and that was Roger Dooley session. And basically, you know, it really opened my mind up to 
why we do a lot of the things we already do and how we can phrase certain ad copy and certain marketing pieces to really appeal to, you know, the hierarchy of needs. Like one of the things he brought up was the liking principle. And an example of that is Tito's, like Tito's being vodka for dog people. You know, it's not really excluding people if you don't like dogs, you know, it's Tito's. But the fact is it's pulling people in who, you know, do love dogs and Tito's sells, you know, dog bandanas, dog shirts. And it's just great marketing overall because they're really hinting and using that liking principle. And then it went even further, like further than liking principle would be the unity principle, where it's basically, he said, liking on steroids. So it really has a sense of belonging. So an example of that would be, you know, my undergrad, I went to FSU. So FSU is the Seminoles. And a lot of times if I see a business is owned by, you know, a Seminole or, you know, in Fort Lauderdale, there's an FSU bar, we're all likely to, you know, keep frequenting it and purchasing from them and supporting them because we feel like we belong and we're part of that community. Yes. I like that a lot. I've seen Roger speak a bunch of times and the whole neuroscience thing is definitely fascinating. And I think that every marketer should, and every brand owner should read something about neuroscience and marketing. So that is such a, like a valuable insight, I believe. Definitely. And even comes down to the colors, you know, the certain colors you use are already giving you, you know, a sense of security or a sense of danger. And it just breaks down so far and so deep. So it was very informative. And I think I could even read and learn more about it. Definitely. Definitely. I spoke on the session with Tony Wright about post-pandemic reputation management and PR mistakes that are being made. And it's funny because we got a lot of call outs, like it's not really post pandemic. It's actually, we're still in the pandemic, which is technically, I guess, true now, but I do believe we've seen, we've learned a lot when it comes to digital marketing and PR during the, during the pandemic that I, you know, heard brands where they've really pulled back on budget. Airbnb was one of them. They pulled back on budget because they had no choice. They were hit so hard by the pandemic and they felt like, you know, there was really not um, a need to invest in some of their advertising, but they pulled back a huge amount. I want to say like 90% and they ended up having um, one of their best years ever without the support of some of their, their advertising and moving forward, they said that they're never going to go back to that budget because they were able to accomplish basically 95% more with a 10% budget on, on the, the paid search marketing, you know, advertising sponsorship types of, of budget items. So I thought that was super interesting that PR really pulled um, these big brands and small brands forward who, you know, either didn't, they couldn't justify spending money when it comes to these, you know, the advertising dollars that they were, or they just couldn't afford it. They were like on the brink of, you know, possibly, going out of business and they had to do whatever they needed, you know, whatever they could do from like a grassroots PR type of um, play and even, even leveraging Google free, like free, free features like Google my business to act as their, their mini micro website to let people know, Hey, I'm delivering, Hey, I'm, these are my new hours. So, so it just was like this huge shift in mindset and, and a realization that like a lot of the budget was really not profitable and not necessary. Yeah, it's wild. That reminds me of John Lawson's session, like coincides with yours because his was supposed to be the post-COVID consumer. 
And it ended up turning into the COVID consumer. And it was just turning things, you know, on the flip side, you know, a long time, not only a long time ago, but a couple of years ago, you know, people didn't want to spend all this money on delivery fees for food. And now Postmates, Uber Eats, you know, Instacart, I get my groceries delivered. We never did any of that before COVID. And basically it's, you know, where people are spending their money has shifted and has switched over. And Airbnb is doing even better because people feel like it's safer than a hotel. So it was all those things to keep in mind as a marketer that, you know, your customer probably changed in the last three years. And I know even I have. So it definitely goes hand in hand with your session. Yeah. And some of the points that Tony Wright brought up that I really liked, and he's, he really focuses on crisis communication and reputation management. I loved one of his points on using influencers when it comes to a crisis or when it comes to spreading the, you know, we, we think of using influencers from a positive standpoint, you know, to help like launch a new product or spread the good word, but also using influencers when there is some sort of a crisis or where you're in a situation where maybe it's, it's not a positive and leveraging those influencers to help spread the word and and control the message I thought was very smart and very relevant to today. And also having like a workflow, like, you know, like everybody talks about workflows, but then, you know, sometimes there's workflows that never even get looked at. And then there's workflows that need to be, that aren't even existing. So having a workflow when it comes to the basic, the, you know, when a crisis does happen, who's the person, you know, what's the chain of communication? Where does everybody meet and who, who needs to be in the meeting type of thing, which are such basic communication processes, but most brands, I don't think really have that in place. They have the binder that is like the scenarios that could happen, but those scenarios never happen. It's not like, okay, who's the spokesperson? Who's included in the, in the decision-making? Who gets the last word type of thing? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know, a lot of brands I've noticed, especially in the last year, there's so many, you know, so many issues, so many current events coming up that brands, you know, either do comment on or don't want to comment on. And I see the most common, you know, crisis communication plan is simply just a plain social media post with text. Who wants to read those? Or like when everyone sent those emails out, you know, this is what we're doing to protect you during COVID. You know, who wants to read all of those emails? I know I don't. So using an influencer is a great idea. Yeah, I really thought that was brilliant. Hello? Oh, wait, is this thing on? Hi, it's Lisa Beyer. I just wanted to tell you really quick, I'm launching a course called Modern PR Secrets, and I wanted you to be the first to know. You can check it out at thebeyergroup.com under resources. Now let's get back to this interview. And, you know, some of the other tips like from our session too that I'll just touch on using optimization and making sure that the content that you are putting out is working for you and and it you're using the right keywords and using the right hashtags so that you're going to gain that much more organic exposure you're going to come up when somebody is searching the hashtag or maybe is subscribing to google alert and by the way like google alerts is the most basic way to at least monitor your brand name whether it's you know your your first and last name or whether it's your company name so at the very least, subscribe to Google Alerts. It's not perfect. It's not 100%, but at least you can kind of keep an eye on your name, your brand name, even your competitors so that, and even the journalists, the journalists want to get notified when certain topics like plastic surgery or topics that they might be following and news that will be coming out. So you're getting, you're making sure that you're optimizing so that you're getting found when people are 
either searching or maybe they have alerts set up for that topic or for that keyword. Yeah, that's a great idea. What else, Cassie? What else did you learn or... I sat in two sessions on Facebook advertising and the new iOS 14 update. It seems to be, you know, a big topic for 2021 and everyone's talking about it. And, you know, there's a lot of opposition from people who've been doing Facebook marketing, you know, forever. They're like, this is one way and that's it. I mean, because I, I guess I'm so used to change and I've seen the platforms change a lot. I'm not as bothered by it, but it was good to get tips. You know, a lot of the tips were to optimize for on-platform events, you know, to collect those leads directly in Facebook instead of sending them off and to, you know, encourage phone calls and to encourage engagement right from the app and not to send people elsewhere so you don't lose that data. So it was really insightful. And it also, you know, showed that there's ways to get around it, you know, just because one update happens, it doesn't mean that Facebook advertising is dead. Right. I totally agree. And I think Facebook is always, you know, every year they get, they make more changes that are trying to keep their users on Facebook and not have them click away to a website. So to me, I'm not surprised that this, I mean, it's almost like I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner, but if you're, if you're able to leverage what you can do inside Facebook, like collect the phone numbers and do the lead ads, like we did with, you know, the client that we worked on together. And that was actually one of their best performing campaigns, right? It was, and it was simple. Yeah. It was not too complicated and it got them a lot of leads. Yes. So I want to hear, I missed Stefan Spencer's session. So I would love for you to share tips. Stefan has a, he's written a bunch of books. One of them, I believe is called The Art of SEO. He has a couple of podcasts. One of them is called Marketing Speak. And I um, was not able to go to his session, but Cassie, you did. So what nuggets did he share with you? Yeah, it was one of my favorite sessions. It was titled Social Proof. And really the whole thing about it was, really adding proof, you know, to your brand, whether you are, you know, as yourself or for a company, you know, whether you're a doctor, you're an agency, you're a marketer. I mean, there's so many ways it goes around it, but basically, you know, there's so many websites and so many different avenues where people send, you know, potential consumers or potential clients that really has nothing on it to show what you're doing. I mean, an example he showed us was two different dentists and one dentist had, you know, testimonials with pictures and actual names. And the other one just had some random quotes. And it's like, who are you going to pick? Even if they're both great, you want to know that someone actually has the, uh, you know, the authentic realness about them and that there's proof about it. A big thing he said was to put logos on your homepage of where you've been featured. So I know right away, as soon as I was, as I was done with that, I added logos to my own homepage. And, you know, a lot of us do have, proof that we just don't think about, you know, whether it's a client. And he said, you know, a client testimonial or a client review is great, but if you can get it in a video or, you know, do a zoom like this and then have them, you know, save it, crop it or edit it and then put it on the website, that's 10 times better than having them send in a review. And he did a good job showing how you can get social proof, you know, messaging, different publications and different writers and journalists with a story. You know, there's something you really want to be on. I mean, he's been on almost every TV show you can think of. I mean, I was really impressed with him, but he was saying how he went out there and got it. You know, these people didn't really contact him, but now that he has it out there, now people do come to him as a Yeah. And I love his story too, because like you said, like he didn't have a PR agency behind him. He was doing it himself. And I think that journalists really like that. 
when they're when it's the the person, the brand, the the expert that's coming to them direct. I mean, not that everybody can do that or has the time or even has the personality. So it's not to say that you know a, a PR expert isn't going to help you get in the door with the media, but doing that you know initially yourself and getting your name out there and then hiring somebody to leverage what you built, I think could be you know brilliant. And he's gotten so much coverage on his own that I'm sure like now he can have somebody help him and it's not going to be like starting from scratch. Definitely. And it really opened my mind up to how much, you know, we probably all have in our toolbox that we don't show or share on our website or our social media, you know, pretty much everything should be documented. Everything should be shared. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, I have, I mean, just look at my podcast. I, when I launched my podcast, I was able to launch it with 50 episodes because I didn't even realize how much content in video and audio from interviews from the class that I taught with you to just different things that I've done. So people don't realize, you know, like even the example of your logos that you were, you had those logos, you've already been featured in those publications. You just didn't put them on your website. And that's what I really love about PubCon. And I love conferences that are very, you can just like, you probably did that like while you were in a session, right? Literally right after it was on my mind right. the whole day. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's really what I love about conferences like PubCon is that you, you walk away with very actionable things that are tangible and actual and low hanging fruit. And then bigger picture things that are, you're, you know, require more, but you've at least got them, you know, kind of on your list of things to do. And you've got experts to turn to, to help you. And what about, who did you meet that any, any of the speakers or anybody there that you met that, you know, usually people come to PubCon and they walk away with like a network of new connections. I don't know if there's anyone specific. I followed pretty much everybody that I went to their sessions on social media. You know, I think too, during, you know, due to COVID and stuff, everyone did kind of keep their space and their distance, which is totally, you know, to be expected. I ran into um, a colleague that I've worked with before on a project. I didn't expect that. So yeah, it was, it was nice to have that kind of interaction. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a little bit not as social. So we, one of my favorite parts about PubCon was the dinner that we went to at the Four Seasons Surf Club with Sarah Collins. So everybody was in smaller groups now that I think of it, you know, compared to PubCon Vegas, where it's just every night, there's a huge event and everybody goes to it. So everybody was kind of in their little intimate settings, but let's do a call out for the Four Seasons Surf Club because that was seriously one of the best dinners I've ever had. Delicious. And I even sent my neighbor there last night. Like I haven't stopped talking about it since our dinner. No, same. I'm like, I'm saying to my husband, I'm like, okay, what occasion is coming up that we can go down to Surfside, go to the Four Seasons, spend the night and go there for dinner. And then I'm talking to my other friend and said, when can we go there? Like, I'm really ready to go. So big plug for Four Seasons Surf. Yes, it was extravagant and the service was great and the food was as good as I've been hyping it up all week. So then I was worried that uh, my neighbor wasn't going to love it as much. And they were like, it's our new favorite restaurant. (laughs) Right. No, I don't think you can lose there. I mean, the Cosmos were amazing. The um, Beef Wellington was amazing. Truffle pasta. (laughs) Truffle pasta was so good. Okay. So we're helping optimize in getting them down. <laughs> Not that they need it, but anyway, so one of the other sessions I just want to touch on, and I'm going to put some of the links in the show notes. So Michael King, he has a company called iPlo Rank, and he's always been one of my favorite speakers. He was, you were in that session with me, weren't you? 
Yeah. So he, he gave us all kinds of like, he has all these different forms and templates, but one of them was the perfect content flow, the content flow template, how to calculate your ROI of SEO. And that I thought was very fascinating. It is a little bit analytical and you need to like crunch numbers, but you know, that's always a big kind of sore spot is, you know, calculating the ROI of SEO, just like calculating the ROI of public relations, because it can be a gray area and it's harder to define and harder to gain traction and you need momentum and it's not an on and off type of process. So I love anything that, that Mike does. And so I'll share this in the, in the show notes, it's the ultimate content brief template. But if you ever, I would sign up for his emails and follow him on LinkedIn. He's amazing and definitely worth, he gives away all kinds of um, free information and just shares his wisdom constantly. And he's very entertaining too. And that's why I really enjoyed HubCon because even though I'm, you know, working in the social media world every day and all day, it's not a vacuum, you know, marketing requires all different assets. So being at HubCon, I was able to, you know, soak up a little bit of SEO, soak up a little bit of content soak up a little bit of uh, Google. So it was, you know, very insightful. And I remember his uh, presentation. I actually have some screenshots of some of those flows. Yeah, the flows. He's all about the flows. And he was, he was really gave some great content tips. And it's not even, you just have to like go to the show notes. Um, I'll put the links in and, you know, just download them. They're all very valuable. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, we have a content flow, but then you look at his and you're like, okay. This is a content flow. This is amazing. He broke it down for like big businesses, small businesses, you know, a whole marketing team, just like two people marketing team. It was good. Yes. Yes. Well, Kathy, I think we've covered everything that I wanted to cover. I, if I would um, follow if PubCon is going to have another conference in Vegas this year, and we'll also make sure we put the link to PubCon in the show notes. And if you have any, if you were at PubCon and you had anything that you wanted to add, please reach out to us and let us know. And I will say Cassie is one of the best, if not the best social media managers that I've worked with. So reach out, follow Cassie if you um, are interested in learning or just maybe looking for a social media manager. Sure, you can follow on at Goat Social Media. And that's also my website, goatsocialmedia.com. Awesome. Well, thanks, Kathy. And we're going to hop on to Instagram live right now and talk a little bit there, maybe about a little mix it up a little bit, but we'll see you over there. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.